humans, it's your host, Julie B, and this is This Hive Howls, where I attempt to break social stigmas about parenting and mental health by revealing some of my most personal stories, as well as sharing the stories of other parents who feel they don't have a voice or a space to speak out about their struggles. So sit back and relax or tie up your walking shoes, and let's get into this week's episode. Hello, and welcome back to everybody who has listened to the podcast before, and welcome to anybody who it's your first time here. I'm extremely anxious today because today's topic is very personal. I have recorded the intro to this episode several times, and I've even recorded pretty much the entire episode already, Um, but while I was speaking, I can just I just feel my anxiety. So we're starting over. I am anxious because we are talking about identity today. And it is a topic that I have been thinking about for a very, 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 very long time. I've written two blog posts about it. I struggle with it every single day. I feel like if I don't have a clear answer to the question, who am I, then I am just a lost cause and a lost soul floating around in this universe with absolutely no purpose. And the idea of having no purpose and no goal and no like set in stone path to follow absolutely terrifies me. But that is the part of me that needs control and craves control because of the fear of the unknown. So let's try this again on speaking about identity. And this might be a two-parter because I feel like there's a lot to go over in context prior to speaking about identity in motherhood. And I know that this is a like motherhood, parenting, and mental health podcast. And I, I'm going to be keeping the the topic centered on that. However, this needs some context. So it's very possible that today's episode will just be focused on the mental health component and the understanding of identity. And the next episode will be more on, you know, identity through motherhood and parenting. So with that, I want to start by saying, I don't think anybody knows who they truly are. I know I don't know who I truly am. Um, I think I have a vision of who I'd like to be and who I want to be. Um, specifically, you know, who I want to be for my kids. So they have a good role model, but also who I want to be for myself. So that way I can continue to, you know, grow and love on myself and learn to accept, you know, the good and the bad and the ugly. Um, but I feel like the question, who am I, is something that a lot of people struggle with for a few reasons. One of the reasons is that we are asked to start defining ourselves from a very young age, like, you know, grade school age. You start at school and you probably go around a circle and you have to say your name. The teacher will ask everybody to say what their name is and name one thing that they like. So now we've already put one thing to identify or define ourselves by on a list. Then you get a little older and I remember having some teachers like ask us to go around the room and say our name and then say something that we like that starts with the first letter of our name. 
And not only did this happen in grade school, this happened to me in university as well. I had a great professor whom I adored. Um, and we did like ancient English literature, but the first day of class, we were like 150 students. He asked us to do this. And we literally just went around the class one time, said our name and something that we liked with the first letter of our name. And then he went back to person number one and named each one of us in class one by one. And he had a great memory for it, but I had him for a couple of classes and he remembered me for a very long time. But immediately I'm like, my name starts with a J and there's basically nothing in this life that starts with a J that I like. <laughs> so I remember in, in, in grade school, they would ask me this and I would always say like, my name is Julie and I like jelly beans, even though I didn't like jelly beans. But I used to stress like, there's nothing that I like that begins with the letter J. And I felt an identity crisis even then. Then you you know, from grade school, you're asked to find things that you enjoy. You go to the library, you look in the book section, things are labeled by themes. So you've got, you know, like adventure, mystery, um, happy times or whatever for, I'm just trying to think of like the elementary school library. And so it's like, well, you start reading books that interest you. Oh, okay. Now I have a new interest that I know I have. So now I can add that to my list of things that define me. Um, and this continues all the way into adulthood. And it's great because I've talked about it before, how we are like a giant jigsaw puzzle, putting pieces of ourselves together, taking pieces away that don't work for us, and building a version of ourselves that works for us in any particular season. So I like the building aspect of who we are. But for me, it caused a lot of anxiety and a lot of worry and a lot of questions starting so young to be like, well, who are you? What do you like? And I noticed that with my son now, when he has birthdays, I'm trying to think like, well, what does he like and what can I get him? What is he into? And that's going to change and that's fine um, because he's into Spider-Man or he's into Paw Patrol or he's into dinosaurs, whatever it is. But I feel bad because I, I don't want him to think the way that I thought at a young age. I don't want him to think like, oh, well, I like dinosaurs. I have to always like dinosaurs. And that's kind of how I thought as a young kid. And I grew up in an environment. This is like another thing that causes kind of compounding identity crisis is I grew up in an environment that your job or your occupation or your career also really heavily defined who you were. And I think we've all heard the the trope of like, if you come from a family of lawyers, you're going to be a lawyer. If you come from a family of real estate agents, you're going to go into real estate. If you come from a family of doctors, you'll be a doctor. If you come from a family of carpenters or mechanics, then you're going to be a carpenter or a mechanic. Like whatever it is that is surrounding you in your, you know, in your nurturing world is going to define what you're going to be later on down the road. And I took this trope very heavily. It was like, if I'm come from a family of teachers, I'm going to be a teacher and that's all I'm going to ever be able to live up to. And what caused for me is like, okay, well, if this is my job description and this is who I am now, my whole life revolves around that. So, uh, you know, oh, you're going to school to be a teacher. You're in education. What's that like? Let's talk about teaching. Let's talk about kids. And now your conversations with strangers are based on what you do for an occupation instead of 
you know, your conversations with your teachers being like, oh, you know, your name starts with an F. What are things that, you know, your name is Fred. What do you like that starts with an F? Well, I like French fries. So, you know, instead of talking about those things, you're talking about your occupation. And for me, I felt such a heavy burden, really is the word, to fit into the mold of my occupation, my chosen occupation, um, that I feel like I stifled a large part of who I could have been at that point in time. So we're talking my early 20s. And I could have been a completely different human being in my early 20s had I been given, I think, the freedom and opportunity and had I known that I could give myself the freedom and opportunity to express other interests that weren't my occupation and my job. And I mourn those parts of myself. I, I'm saddened for early 20s version of me, you know, the early 20s Julie, that she didn't feel like she could branch out and express other parts of herself because I needed to fit a mold. And these molds are prevalent everywhere. Like, just think about filling out a passport application, you know, or last time I was in the hospital filling out um, paperwork for my, my kid's birth. Like, who are you? What is your name? What's your occupation? Um, what color hair do you have? What color eyes do you have? Uh, how, how do you identify? You know, like, what's your gender? What are your pronouns? Everything is a, an identifier, And for people who struggle to feel like they belong anywhere, it's very hard to identify with things on a paper or to check some boxes because they don't feel authentic. And that's where I feel like I struggled a lot. And I still struggle in my mental health today. obviously I will talk into how that trickles into being a parent and how that affects us as moms. But for context, that's, that's the basis. Now for me, I have a specific compounding again, um, issue with identity is that I am adopted and I found out about my adoption later on in life than I think a lot of kids probably find out. Um, at least, you know, the newer generation, 30 some odd years ago, adoptions were closed and they were private. So it makes sense that I didn't know about it for a a very long time. But at the time that I did find out about my adoption, I was old enough to understand identity. I was old enough to understand the difference between nature and nurture, um, to understand the difference between what you get biologically and what is kind of ingrained in you from, from birth that helps define your personality and your traits and your things that you are good at and things that you're not good at versus things that you attract or receive as part of your nurturing and learning. So that question of who am I became who the hell am I? Because now I was like, I had all these questions of, oh, well, these aren't, these aren't my family. You know, these aren't my cousins. This isn't my family this isn't my community, this is not who I am, who am I really, you know, did I, did I learn to like piano? Am I really good at playing the piano because my grandma taught me from a young age or because I'm actually musically talented? And do I like 
the, I don't know, something as simple as like, do I like the color purple because of such and such or because of such and such? Like there was, you could hear the kind of the anxiety of my voice, but there was a lot of questions that surrounded my adoption that had to do with who am I? Where do I come from? You know, whose voice do I have? Whose eyes do I have now? Where did my freckles come from? You know, my biological mother's side or my biological father's side? And what's my family tree? And it's funny because even before I found out I was adopted, I was obsessed with my family tree. I loved knowing that I had ancestry that went back to Ireland. And I always felt connected to that because I'm completely covered in freckles, which I do adore my freckles. But once I found out that, you know, there was no blood connection to the world that I grew up in, I was like, well, where the hell did my freckles come from now? And they became a symbol of uncertainty and they're all over my body. So I look at them every single day and I would spend hours staring in the mirror, looking at my eyes and be like, well, then where did my hazel eyes come from? And so when you're asked from a very young age to say, you know, even in kindergarten, hi, my name is Julie. My favorite color is purple. My favorite animal is a horse to university even sitting there. Yes. Hi, I'm Julie. And I like jello, which honestly jello and jelly beans were the only things I could think of that (laughs) went with the letter J to staring in the mirror and saying like, where do my eyes come from? Where is my little nose from? You know, why are my eyebrows so pale? And why do I have blonde hair on my arms? But my head hair is actually very dark brown. Like, you ask these questions and my answers were like, well, I must be Irish because I look like a typical Irish person. But those are heavy questions to have on somebody. And they're heavy questions to hold in my heart. And they really, really emphasized this idea of not fitting in. And I felt like I didn't fit in anywhere that I looked. And you start to have an identity crisis when you feel like you don't fit in. Because you maybe don't feel like you can check any of those checkboxes. You feel like, oh, well, you know, I I don't identify as male or female. And for a long time, there weren't checkboxes that you could say other, you know. Um, You had to kind of fit yourself into a pigeonholed identity or you had to make sure that you conformed to the box that was your career. You had to be the teacher and emulate education and emulate a teacher's personality outside and, and inside of your home. And I always felt like I was wearing a mask and putting on a show and a lot of people mask. I know that that's a thing. Um, but the the questions of like, who are you? And I don't fit in, you know, caused me to change careers. I stopped teaching and I went into interior design, which I love. And I feel like finally it's, it's a thing that I can do that brings me joy and brings me happiness. But I decided a while ago that I wasn't going to start identifying myself by my job. And so when people would ask me, oh, well, what do you do for work? I stopped saying, I am a teacher. I am a blank. I am an interior designer. And I started to say, oh, I I teach or I teach grade 11. And I started to say, oh, I I design condos Um, or I do, uh, oh, I build, you know, houses. I'm a designer. I am a designer. There, I just said it again. I design. I do interior design. Whatever it was, I tried to remove the I am a 
and replace it with like, oh, this is just something that I like to do because I don't want my careers to define me. And I didn't want that to be the only thing that people talk about with me when they meet you for the first time. So when strangers meet you for the first time, you have to kind of let them get to know you. And unfortunately, you know, we we pull out our little checklist from our pocket and we say like, oh, well, I'm this and I like this and I like that and I don't like this and I don't like that. And we start to define people by their, you know, political leanings. We define people by the movies and TV shows that they watch. We define people by their hobbies and activities that they do outside of the house or inside of the house. And unfortunately, everybody has a stigmatized version of what everything can be. So like, oh, you know, I like to play video games and automatically I have imprinted an image of what you are like as a human being because of some social, you know, narrative of what gamers are like, you know? So immediately we place people into these boxes. And it's very unfortunate because we're so much more than fitting into boxes. And with our constant evolving and changing and growing, it's hard to feel like you put yourself in those boxes. Recently, I I was talking with a friend of mine who I feel like she's the person I feel like I could have really heavy psychological conversations with because she understands it and she gets it. Um, but I mentioned to her that like it feels exhausting as a people pleaser to have, I have many friends, but none of my friends are friends with each other. Um, well, a few of them are friends with each other, or at least they know each other. And I looked at my lineup of my bridesmaids and I'm like, this group of girls probably would never have gotten together if I hadn't brought them together. And I love my bridesmaids dearly, but I laugh and I told her, I feel like every time I get with one of my friends, I'm putting on a different persona to match them. And that's the people pleaser in me. That's also like the chameleon in me. But that's also a very scared part of me that's like, I don't really know who I am. And I, I feel like I need to be a person that you can feel comfortable with. And so I'm going to change myself. And she said to me, my friend in this conversation, she's like, I'm glad you're working on that. I'm glad that you have come to this realization. And I can't wait to meet who you are. When you find that person, even if that person is always changing, but then she said something very comforting, which was, but I want you to know that I like the person you've chosen for me to know. And that meant a lot coming from somebody whose opinion that I trust and also having heard that being, you know, me being a person who wasn't sure who they were and wasn't sure if they ever fit in, wasn't sure if they were ever accepted. Because when you're adopted, you feel like you weren't wanted. As much as you know that there was a family who wanted you, the the thought and the phrase you weren't wanted weighs a lot heavier on your body and on your heart and on your mind than I think anybody can understand or comprehend. So when she said to me, like, I'm very, I I really much like the person you've decided to show me and, and the persona that you have given to me, I was like, oh, okay, I feel accepted now.
for me, identity is such a strange, strange thing because all of those issues, all of those checklists, all of the compounding factors that help make up who we are, they were so unsure for me. They were so unstable. They didn't feel right. They didn't feel solid. And then I walked into motherhood. And if you have been on social media at all, and you're in the motherhood community, and you're in the parenting community, you've probably seen stuff in the media that talks about, you know, losing your identity to motherhood or to parenting. And it is very much a heavy truth because for many reasons, the first one I'm going to mention here in this episode is that you have a baby now that needs you 100% of the time. And so all of your personal needs go out the window. Everything that you thought you were, everything that you thought you needed, all of the stuff that you did routinely to maintain yourself needs to be put on the back burner because your newborn baby needs you to survive. They need your physical body. They need your emotional body. They need your brain, your mind. All you, you go into survivor mode. And for a lot of new time moms, that just like completely wipes our brain clear of everything that we like to do. So for me, very briefly, because I don't want to turn this into an extra long episode, for me, it was like my son came in, I had a traumatic birth experience. Then for the first six months, it was like heal my body from my emergency C-section, you know, go into survivor mode, make sure my kid stays alive. And then the pandemic hit. And so then I spent the next two years kind of locked in my house with my kid and my husband, obviously. But I lost all sense of who I was. There was no hobbies I could do. You know, COVID shut everything down. I couldn't go anywhere and see people. I couldn't fall back onto any of the personas that I had created. I couldn't pull out that checklist from my pocket and say, I like horse riding. I like dancing. I like going to concerts. I like this. I like that. And these are all things that I have to do to maintain my identity. And now my identity went out the window for six months because I was taking care of a kid. So I didn't maintain any of those things. And then COVID hit. So now I actually can't, like I'm not allowed to go and do those things. So I felt like there was just a couple of years of like, who am I again? Who am I? And really the only answer to that question at that period of time was, I'm a mom and this is my son. <laughs> and it's not sad. It's a little sad. Okay. It's, a, it's sad, but I don't want you to think that it is like the most depressing thing ever. It isn't. It can be. Postpartum depression is real. I'm not diminishing it. But what I'm saying is like, for that point of time, that's all that I had to lean on. That only label of, well, I'm a mom and this is my son is all I had to lean on. And that's very scary for someone like me with my circumstances. You know, the, this, the entire conversation of this episode, my history and my background the versions of myself. And if you've been listening for a long time, you know that like I vision people as, you know, these gigantic puzzles and you're constantly putting pieces in and taking pieces out and we're growing and evolving and changing and it's fun. But because I see that it was, it was like wiping the slate clean and it was very scary for me 
to look back at the checklist in my pocket and see that there's nothing there. And then to wonder, hey, if all I am right now is a mom and this is my son, is this even what I want to be? Is this what I wanted? Is this what it is? Because if you're a mom and you've had that young kid experience or you're living it right now and you're living in some terrified world of like, what the heck is this new momhood? It is terrifying. It is lonely. It is. It can be dark and you feel like you're floating in nothingness. If you're there, you know how hard it is to live it. And so if you ask yourself, is this all that there is? It's like you're standing on the edge of a cliff looking out into darkness because the future is so unknown. And for me, I was like, this isn't what I thought motherhood was supposed to be. And I don't know if I want this. And I don't know if this is who I am. And so again, it's like, I'm 30 now. I'm about to turn 31. And I've been asking myself this question. Who am I? What is my identity? How do I identify? How has motherhood changed that? Where am I going to go from here? And these questions aren't bad questions. I think they're great questions. If this if this topic has terrified you in any way, my apologies. I just know that my experience has been quite terrifying. And, you know, the podcast is called This Hive Howls for a reason. I'm howling. <laughs> you know, I like to say, you know, you howl from the rooftops and you scream out your frustrations and you yell at the world, why, why, why? Well, this is an outlet for that. Um, if you felt like some of the things that I've spoken about today, these questions of why, feeling like you have to be pigeonholed into a specific set of identifiers or definitions, and you're terrified because motherhood has probably stripped away a lot of those from you, um, maybe you're, you know, a people pleaser and you've been masking and you put on different masks and personas for different people in your life, and and that's something you don't like anymore, please know you're not alone. I think it's a lot more common than we like to let on. And that's why I've been anxious about talking about this because it's something so private and so deeply ingrained in the human experience and people don't talk about it enough. So I'm going to end there. I will be back to talk more about identity in motherhood because there's a lot there. Um, not only are we pigeonholed, like I said, from a young age to say like, I am Julie, my name starts with J and I like jelly beans, but you know, as mothers, we start to be pigeonholed into the boy, mom, girl, mom, dance, mom, soccer, mom, hockey, mom, those things. There's a lot of that to talk about. I will be bringing it up in another episode, but for now I'll end it there because it's been heavy. I feel a little less anxious. I do hope that you have a wonderful day. I'm excited that I've gotten this off of my chest and I am going to go make myself a tea, walk to check on the mail, get outside, calm my mental health, and sending you a massive virtual hug. Don't forget to drink some water. If you've liked what you've heard today, don't forget to subscribe and follow. Also head on over to my blog page and give me a follow there. And for more silly and serious mom content and life updates, spot me on Instagram at this.hive. All the links are in the episode description. Till next time.